Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Chris Gervais. And we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Okay, so today uh, we have a wonderful guest with us, but before I tell you who it is, the big secret, I'm going to uh, let wise Silent Micah weigh in with, with some words of wisdom, kick us off here, maybe a quote or something. Silent Micah? Yeah. Wow, that's good, that's good. Um, welcome, Chris. Hey, I don't know what to say after that quote. I know, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. You, look, you look handsome today, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we also have with us uh, our actual guest, um, Jennifer, Jennifer Belk. Hello, how are you? Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Um, Jennifer is has just launched something really exciting here in Fort Mill uh, and really serves the whole county and beyond. Um, and it's called Loom Coworking. Uh, I don't know how familiar our listener our listener is with Loom with what coworking is, but um, you know, coworking is where you invite people to come into a space. Uh, you can rent a desk, you can rent a portion of it, you can, you know, there's different models, different programs, some, some of them have places where you can rent partial offices, some of them you just come in, pay 10 bucks, have a table all day, so we'll learn about Jennifer's model, but the idea is that it gives people a place to work, a collaborative uh, place to work, uh, a place out of the house to work, you see a lot of technical uh, web developer types, you see knowledge workers taking advantage of these in cities all across the United States, all across Europe. And um, we haven't had one in York County, and so we're very excited to have one in York County. So congratulations. If you tell us your, thank you, tell us your elevator speech on Loom, if you don't mind. Okay. For people that are not familiar with the co-working concept at all, I usually start with, A, it's not an office suites, right? It's not a, a Regis type of key man establishment. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it serves a particular type of person, right, uh, as far as what industry they're in and how they like to work with others. Um, there are 8,000, like you said, worldwide. There are six very vibrant communities in Charlotte, but there are none in York County. And uh, as you know, people in York County do not like to fight the traffic. Uh, and they get a little stir-crazy working out of their home. Well, there was a study just recently where like 50,000 people were identified as driving to Charlotte to work in technology, kind of quasi-technology-related jobs at least. And um, can you imagine if just a portion of those people didn't go north every, every day? Scott Huffman's study okay. out of Winthrop. And uh, yeah, he said it was like 40% of the people wished, basically wished that they had the same type of job here in York County to be able to have their same lifestyle, have their same type of industry work, but be able to, to stay local, spend their time and their money local. So um, what we also are concentrating on, because we're not an incubator or an accelerator, so we're not very specific to a, a type of industry. Um, our members are across the board. We've got recruiters, we have uh, people that are in, in technology and software, uh, travel agents, party planners, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, but we also have a few, uh, not necessarily startup companies, but small companies that have maybe downsized or are in growth mode and are not comfortable or in a place where they want to sign a three-year lease somewhere or even a one-year lease. Um, they don't want to deal with utilities. They don't really have an ability right now to forecast you know, what they're going to need a year from now. And because co-working spaces are typically month to month, 
and it's a flat rate, so you're not paying for your Wi-Fi, you're not paying for utilities, things like that, if one month you have a couple of extra contractors or one month you got a couple of people that are on vacation all month, you know, that kind of thing, they can vary and keep their overhead costs really, really low. So the, the, the experience of the space is almost like a coffee shop. I mean, so, you know, and... and Some of them are called cafe memberships. Yeah, right, okay. And so if you if you walk into a Starbucks or into a Panera Bread or anything like that, you look around at the amount of people that are working. Yeah, they're all on laptops. And so this is like having your own little Panera that you have a reserved spot in for X amount of time. And there are no babies and no teenagers. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, unless it's teenager baby day. Right, yeah. But, um... So um, let me let me pause our conversation on on co-work for a second here because co-work is a very uh, exciting thing. But I want to learn about you. Okay. Uh, I know you have a connection with Winthrop, but how, how do you how did you get to Rock Hill? Where are you from? Uh, from Alabama originally. Uh, went to Auburn University, War Eagle. Uh, then moved up to Richmond, Virginia, to go to VCU for graduate school. Stayed up there and practiced corporate interior design for several years and then moved here in actually 15 years ago this week uh, to teach at the Art Institute. And what's the Art Institute? The Art Institute of Charlotte, uh, which is a a global university, but has a a campus in Charlotte. What did you do there? Uh, Taught in interior design program. Okay. And uh, and then in 2005, I started working at Winthrop and in taught interior design. in the interior design program. Uh, I joke that I taught all the classes nobody wanted to take. Right. So <laughs> construction documents, building codes, yeah. professional practices, all the non-fun artsy things, yeah. but uh, 3D modeling, oh, things cool. like that. Uh, but also was super involved in things like freshman orientation and new student programs, the ACAD class and student government, all the things kind of outside of normal programming and classes for students. So, so, so say that again, when did you start at Winthrop? 2005. 2005. Okay, wow. And, and so before that, had you had any exposure to Rock Hill? No, uh, like I said, I moved to Charlotte in 01 and um, really had honestly never been over the border until I went down to to visit. I actually kind of dressed up as a student the day, uh, the week before I went to interview (laughs) and like wore my old college t-shirt and a hat and just kind of like chilled on campus, kind of watching the vibe and the culture and people like asked me to sit with them at lunch and I was like, this is where I want to be. Wow, very cool. And totally fell in love with it. My daughter grew up on the Winthrop campus going to concerts and speakers and, you know, sorority events and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, in 2005 when you got here, that's when I came to downtown. And I'm actually from Rock Hill, but I moved away. I read the book. Oh, okay. Wow. (laughs) Wow, thank you. Um, uh, Jason Broadwater, a history. A history. (laughs) (laughs) A his story. Um, So... When I got when I came down downtown Rock Hill in 2005, I mean, they had made this downtown beautiful, but it was dead empty, man. I mean, it was like, woo woo, you know, it was like cowboy empty, you know. So, did you feel like you had the school and the campus? But did you did you could you see could you feel what they're talk about? the merging of the downtown, the revitalizing of this district and all that? absolutely not. It really was um, about 2012, I started doing a lot of uh, student project, community collaborations, things like that. You know, every year, 
it can get very boring to do the same projects every year. Yeah, right. So every year I tried to have some other kind of community partner or something that would kind of give some freshness to the projects and that kind of thing. And uh, so 2012, we started some of those pretty hardcore. And 2013, um, I got more involved in going like to the Knowledge Park visioning sessions and that kind of thing. And that's actually when the first time I contacted you, uh, we were in my um, junior level modeling classes, building information modeling. Uh, we're doing a co-working project. And so, so you also do modeling? No, wait. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> 3D okay. architectural gotcha. modeling. Um, but anyway, so we were doing a co-working project, which has a lot of similarities to the Hive, to a lot of the projects you were working on, to the technology incubator. And so I contacted you, David Warner, some other people that were kind of in the, the innovative class down here in Rock Hill to come be a juror and, and kind of give us some feedback on the student projects. And that's where this all kind of started to brew. So Yeah, I remember you came to our... Um, our uh, conference, the Day Remus conference. You were one of the few people we had over here watching that amazing band. It was awesome. It was the band again. Oh, Sinners and Saints. Oh, they were so amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. the conference that day was really cool um, because we actually had some of the design students that worked with the um, graduate students from the business department to help them with their business plans and things. So. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I love the interdisciplinary stuff. Go ahead. Go. Yeah, we'll have eventually we'll do that again, and we'll have Sinners and Saints back. Yeah. And yeah. The thing is, coincidentally, they like a month later opened for Flogging Molly and played oh in front of thousands God. of people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I love about Winthrop because, like, the DSU Programming Board, which is award-winning for years, has brought some unbelievable bands down here that then became big. Delta Ray, my favorite band, played here about four years ago and we totally stalked them since then. And they play at McGlowan and the Visualite and at the Whitewater Center. On the way up's good because sometimes know. we tend to just get them on the way down. <laughs> no, but they're fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Crawford from the Avett Brothers used to play at McHale. Well, I guess it was for what it's worth when he was at Winthrop. Yeah. Well, I got I, this is my um, Avett Brothers story. Sorry. I got to <laughs> We saw them at the Sylvia Theater in downtown New York, which only holds like 120 people, opening for Doc Watson before he died. And it was an incredible show. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Um, But anyway, I digress. No, no, no. I'm all about local bands, local talent. It's awesome. So, you decided to stop teaching. Is it to pursue Loom Cohort? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this had been brewing for a while, and we really wanted to do it. A totally freaked out and scared about startup costs of course and uh and professorship does not pay fabulously so <laughs> um but so so that was kind of a, a fear at the beginning uh but actually a lot of the students were really helpful as far as being you know you're constantly encouraging them to you know get out of their shell and go to a new place and do internships that frighten them and all that and I'm sitting there going well duh I need to (laughs) encourage myself to do that but um, we have a corporate partner with Alfred Williams which is the Herman Miller dealership up in Charlotte and uh, this time last year was actually I had the students at our international furnishing conference up in Chicago and started talking with their reps we were all up in Chicago and uh, started talking about you know my interest in co-working on alternative workspaces and they were like we should totally partner on that just kind of real casually 
and so the next week I was like, like you remember what we right. talked about? Yeah, right. I recorded and, it, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and last summer I kind of co-worked out of their space because my daughter was in art classes up in Charlotte and conversations kept going and we merged into a legit, you know, partnership and that really got us off the, floor, off the ground. You really have uh, talent for putting together collaborations and partnerships because and it's so hard for startup costs to start anything. And, and if you can't put those partnerships and things together, it's almost impossible to get started. Yeah. So so let's keep kind of uh, painting the picture of the space and, and what it is and its function. So first of all, where is it? Okay. It is in downtown Fort Mill. It's about a half a block from Confederate Park. And that was our goal when we were looking. Main Street or off Academy? Um, so if you know where the crossings gift yeah. shop is, we're kind of right behind there. Okay, so for for our, our listener who hadn't been to uh, downtown Fort Mill, we're talking about a tiny little downtown, right? It's, it's little, yeah. but it's definitely growing. Yeah. We have started a downtown merchants association, right. uh, and I serve on the Fort Mill Economic Council, and so there's just a lot going on. Well, well Fort Mill itself is getting big. I mean, it's growing yeah. so <laughs> fast. Well, I want to say, when I was growing up, it, there was Dave's Comics, and it was oh, the yeah, best place there. to buy. Yeah, it's totally yeah. still there. It was the best place to buy comics, yeah. but in high school, we would like cut class and go to Dave's, and it was Dave's and an antique store, and that was it. That's all Fort Mill was. Well, I learned one of my greatest lessons at Dave's Comics. If I can digress, tell this story. So I go in there, and there's this man. It's like totally, he probably was a traveling vacuum salesman. I'm sure of it. But he just came across that way. He had his big cigar and his like, you know, 70s suit. Was it the dad from Gremlins? Yes. <laughs> too long a hair, mustache, a little too greasy, you know, just the whole thing. And um, I said to Dave, uh, I had my kind of chest bowed out a little bit because I was trying to sell some books to Dave, right? And uh, Dave would always sell them to me, you know, and, and he gave me no room to, you know, he would because he's a master at that. You know? So I was like, well, the, I was trying to sell it, and I had this little book where I had looked up the value of the comic book I was trying to sell. Because you buy those books, now you use the internet. We used to, you had to buy a book. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, but this comic book is worth $20. And the man turns to me and it's like, you know, the cameras zoom in, it gets like dark in there, and he goes, it's only worth what someone will pay you for it, kid. And I was like, oh my God, that just changed my life. stuck with yeah. you. Yeah, it totally changed my life. It made me understand capital, uh, I mean, market capitalism. Did, did he put his cigar out on the book? He put it out, he put it out on me, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it worked to me. Yeah. Not worth nothing he now. threw me a quarter. <laughs> He flipped me a quarter. And then rubbed you on the So anyway, I, you know, Dave moved to Rock Hill, uh, probably chasing, um, I don't know, who knows, could have been a, him and his landlord or something, I don't know, but pro- I would imagine chasing growth and economy, but realized being off Cherry Road, which is like, you know, the, the developed road that just runs straight out of the interstate, you know, the corridor kind of road, frontage, uh, trip malls, that being there was just anti the character of what it is to kind of walk into a comic book store. And he moved back into downtown Fort Mill because he's, I guess he was like, this is way better, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and the walk-by traffic, people discovering it is huge, it's huge. Which is another reason why we wanted to be where we are, is that, you know, we would have some of that foot traffic and people, what is this? And they'd see professionals walking in and out and events. Um, on uh, Tuesday nights this summer, we have photography classes and we have an event space. 
which we're marketing towards classes and corporate events, and uh, the chamber's going to be meeting there so regularly. A different space than the workspace? Uh, it's all kind of together. Okay. Um, it's actually the former Academy Fitness space. So there's kind of, uh, what, what we have now is about 2,300. Okay. We're actually building next door, and it's uh, 3,500. So it's about 50% bigger. And uh, similar types of spaces, just more. Um, so right now, the space that used to have like all the gym equipment and that kind of thing is the open lounge workspace, that kind of thing. The old office is the meeting room. We've got a break room area, that kind of thing. And then the workout room, the aerobics room, is the event space and where like the flexible training tables and movable furniture, I mean, pretty much clear the whole room out. Uh, so last night we had it kind of auditorium style with 36 people sitting in there. And then two days before we had a lunch and learn with five people in the middle of our room. So it just gives us a lot of flexibility with how we use it. So, but that's kind of the quiet room during the day. So, you know, when I um, talk to communities about economic development, from what I learned here in Rock Hill and what I learned working with other communities, you know, when I got down here, everybody was focusing on retail and restaurant, um, but retail and restaurant can't survive without people that work. Because if you don't, if you're just that little quaint kind of community, yeah, if you're in a, in a historic uh, place where people drive through on their way. I mean, I don't know if, if you're going to come and buy pottery or something. Right. You know, if you've got that niche, if you're famous you really for. Really got to promote the live, work, play, stay you mentality. Got to, and yeah. you got to have people in there working during the day because those people support the restaurants at lunch, which lets them stay open at night even though they're not making that much money. Which you know brings more people in traffic, and then people want to live close to it because they're working there, and that brings residential. The whole thing comes from having people down there working. So I think that. Um, so I'm suggesting that Fort Mill's economic development arms support you even greater to whatever extent they're supporting you now. Absolutely. Well, and we, we are really trying to, to push that. We, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard about the town council meeting the other night and the whole annexation of, of all the, the Sprat property and everything. Everybody knows there's too much traffic. That's a gimme. And so everybody's against that. It's going to, those developments are going to happen no matter what. It's just who's going to benefit from the tax base of it and who's going to have influence over like the architectural character and does it have bike lanes and that. So I, I have actually gone, gone to the dark side and I think, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for it to be annexed because then Fort Mill can have put their stamp on what it's going to be and make it the combination of green space and density that Baxter is and, and things like that. So, uh, but the mixed use component of it, like you were talking about, is give people all those amenities then they're not going to depend on their cars to go everywhere and they can have that live work play and stay and and love it and want to invest their time and, and go to hobos and local dish for lunch every day and that kind of thing yeah, so that's the key about building that developing that kind of residential space is like ultimately if you're eliminating that kind of car traffic you know and we're this area and i think in a lot of ways this country is going is in the transition period now from where like in Europe where it's always been the standard that you live and you work that you have a village it's all right there and the, yeah and the thing is is once you experience a taste of that you never want to drive to other places again you taste it you don't ever want to go anywhere absolutely powerful thing it's a powerful change going on in the country not to say that suburbs will go away not to say that you know uh, country living county living will go away at all but, what are you saying about country living going away? Get out of here. I'm about to spit some beach nut in your eye. <laughs> the, the, 
new, it's called the new urban core within the suburbs. And um, so I've been, I've been blogging on that. Yeah, that you're kind of, we used to joke that my daughter for like the first six years of her life never left the commune. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, because her daycare was there in the library and music school and, and everything was in our little pod, you know, we branch out every once in a while. But, you know, it's, it's so beneficial and it feels safe. And so you have those benefits of the suburbs as far as low uh, crime rates and all of that kind of thing. But the activity and we're not feeding money and everything into Charlotte all the time. Well, if you look at the, the entire history of civilization, except for this couple hundred year blip, you always see, like if you if you go over cities in, in Europe, you go over villages in Africa, cities in Africa, where, whatever they might be, you see this kind of mile and a half radius, yeah, of a circle where... Self-sustaining community. Yeah, everything in it that you need is in that little circle. And you can go out of it if you want to, but it's all in there. And it's always been that way, except during the Industrial Revolution, we compartmentalized society so much that it's like we're going to put healthcare way over here, we're going to put living way over here, we're going to put commerce way over here, we're going to separate them all because we can build an interstate and drive our cars, and that's the way we do it. Yep. Yep. Change the way we develop things. And really, it seems normal to everybody, obviously, because it's what we've known, but it really is like a hundred year blip in the history of the human civilization. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. So, um, Loom's building next door. What's the plans on moving next door? Uh, well, it is, it's a brand new from scratch building. Concrete pad was uh, poured yesterday. So we're, you know, it's kind of neat being able to keep an eye on it day to day and see the progress rather than it being some, you know, imaginary building somewhere. Um, if you've ever built a house or something like that. Um, but yeah, so it's going to give us uh, the event space is going to be twice as big as what we have now. A lot more flexible, a lot more natural light, 14-foot ceilings. Oh, serving natural light there? How come? Not craft beer. <laughs> we should invest in craft beer. Not Mick Ultra. Okay. Um, but uh, so really high ceilings, exposed beams, that kind of stuff. So a more kind of, you know, trendy contemporary environment and a lot more outdoor space. Yeah. So oh, the outdoor it. space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you can have events that oh, are out my, uh, my hammock spot, like oh, staked really? out. I'm so excited. Is there a way to create... Um, um, shaded usable like working outdoor space? We, we have kind of a it's actually a space that was meant to be like retail or restaurant so uh, glass all the way across the front like an ice cream parlor and you know things like that so we have kind of a cafe style area plan for up front and then the back is you know the cornhole and the all of that kind of thing something a little more casual but you know Wi-Fi stretch outside and outlets outside and that kind of thing so if people want to absolutely you're also partnering with uh, Wi-Fi with a Comporium. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We are going to be the with Wi-Fi. Yeah, you are working with the wifi. mighty Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, no, with Comporium, we'll and be the internet. You are and the partner internet. with the internet in the black box. Yeah, right. right. Um, <laughs> sorry, IT crowd thing. Anyway, um, yeah. So we're going to be the first facility in downtown Fort Mill to have the one gig Zipstream, and so Comporium has been amazing. Uh, doing that because we totally wouldn't have been able to afford that without the partnership and uh, so we're hoping that you know bringing that into downtown will encourage and make it easier with the infrastructure for other people to start getting high profile you're small but you're high profile I remember when we did the project the high project that you referenced earlier when we were talking maybe before we turn on the mic here but um that project was small ultimately but it was so big symbolically yeah. And I think you are that for Fort Mill and for the and for not just Fort Mill but for York County because I think the Hive was 
wonderfully symbolic, but it was pretty much relegated to downtown Rocky. I think people thought that's a downtown with the universities and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think they thought that's a downtown Rocky Hill project. Like people out in the rest of the county, I think right. thought. But I think Loom, you know, again, you're you're a small organization, but I think you have caught the imagination of the county, where people are rooting for you all around the county. Yeah. And, and like I said, the, the Chamber of Commerce, the Economic Council, all of the folks that we have met along the way have been unbelievably supportive. And we are. We're, we're really marketing from Tiga Kay to Waxhaw to Chester and Valentine. It's kind of our, you know, our, our loop. Or people that kind of have a huge traveling territory because we have part-time memberships. We have a lot of people that are doing the part-time thing. Yeah, I mean, we may they may spend two days a week in this area, you know, and then maybe they look at somewhere, there's a couple of co-working places in Columbia or up in Greensboro or, you know, whatever, so we can uh, share the wealth that way. That's interesting because, I mean, look at what hotels, small hotels did where they made really nice business offices in these tiny little hotels because they realized, I mean, these people are traveling around, they need a place to work. Absolutely. But the then, difference is, is at a co-working community, you know who you're sitting next to, right? Um, and, and even, I mean, it's, and you do, you have this whole like Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation thing when you walk in. I had a new member come in today and I was starting to, you know, introduce her around and she already knew everybody or somebody, everybody's wife or they're, you know, they went to aerobics together, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, it's even more intimate than some of the ones that you have, say, in, in up and uptown. So. Yeah, that's cool. I, and and I've, I've been fascinated with co-working as a concept for a while now. I, um, it's really um, going well in Europe, in a lot of the cities in Europe. And a lot of cities, most cities, almost all cities in the United States have at least a co-working space, you know, bigger cities. And, and, um, and then the cooler cities that are smaller cities. I look at Asheville as a couple. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, Greenville has a couple, you know. And uh, Columbia, probably, I'm sure, has one or two at least. Yeah. Um, SoCo, they got one of the innovation grants uh, last year, yeah. And so everybody's trying to do it. I think the question is, it's early. It's early adopter in this area because, you know, you go to Asheville and you're hanging out in a pub drinking craft beer, most everybody in there would know what co-work is and know somebody that co-works. Thank you. Um, you know, you, you come here to Rock Hill or you go to Fort Mill and you go eat in the whatever restaurant and probably nobody in there even knows, really knows what co-work is. When I start the conversation, people start to get it and you can tell by the way people talk if they've got a, a pretty good grasp of it. Um, Two of the ways that I try to explain it to people, one is is the Starbucks concept, you know, um, but that you have reliable Wi-Fi and you always have an outlet and you know the people you're sitting next to. Do and you, you have a big space? Uh, you, you, can. Okay, you can. We have okay. a lot of different membership types. So you can have a dedicated space. Um, that's for people that either are real territorial or graphics people. I mean, when I'm working on my stuff, a laptop doesn't cut it. I gotta have three monitors and so that's not very mobile. So that's who those folks are for, the, those types of spaces. Um, but then we've got full-time hot desk, so full-time flex, sit wherever you want. I've got floor pillows, you know, but the height and ergonomic furnishings. Uh, and then we've got what I call 12-pack and 8-pack. So that's like 12 days a month. That might be three days a week. That could be 12 days because you're traveling the other two weeks, however you want to use them. So. 
That's cool. Yeah. I would say one thing about co-workspace in terms, just in terms of the <clears throat> networking component and the fact people interacting. I feel like on one end of the spectrum you have Starbucks or wherever, which is just like everyone's uh, autonomous and doing their own thing, and maybe they interact because they glanced over and saw that you were editing a movie on your laptop. Yeah, you're in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the kind of interaction. And on the other end of the spectrum we have like mixers where you have the like you bring your business card and you, you trade things or whatever, which seems very sort of like there's a, a psychological negativity to that a lot of times. Old school feeling, yeah, salesy. Yeah. yeah, I feel like co-work space, it, just in the networking aspect, it's like the sort of Starbucks idea of, well, we're all here doing our own thing, but with an expected idea of, like, we're going to interact. Collaborate. And collaborate. Yeah, versus the silly kind of false dating aspect of, you know, a mixer where you... you yeah, and, and the connections, you know, you go to some of those things and you've got the referral groups and it's very formal, the way the referrals have been and everything. You know, ours, you start talking about somebody, you know, I think you need to know, then you're pulling them up on LinkedIn and have they're looking over your shoulder and that's how you're making referrals. It's not writing down on a paper, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I'll tell you what, there was this guy that I used to work with. Uh, he was actually lived in, he went to Winthrop and he Stayed in Rock Hill for a little while, and he did a lot of development uh, for me early on, web development for me early on. And um, he moved to Greenville, and he and he decided he worked at the house for a little while, and we kept working together. He was still doing the majority of, of the web development that I needed done at the time, and um, he moved into a co-work space. Well, it wasn't, but I would say three months, and he was like all of a sudden saying, "Man, I don't know if I have time to do." Like when I would ask him to do, because he was getting so much work from the people in the co-work. Yeah. Well, you want to keep it in the family. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I don't know how many people you're connected with on LinkedIn, but like 1,500 people. Yes. Am I going to give recommendations and referrals to all those people? No, I don't know them well enough. But if I sit next to somebody and I see, oh, this guy washes his coffee cup every day. Yeah. You know, he's dependable. Or I see that he calls people back and he's courteous to them and he, you know, has a good relationship and. You know, it's those kind of soft skills that you see in people when you actually spend time with them. Yeah, amen. And that's who I'm going to refer to, refer people to. Yeah. That's why we we loved running the hive because, you know, you can be so enamored with someone because they seem talented and, and likable and attractive in a in a general sense of like you know magnetic or whatever they are. Not but then you actually work you with work them. Work with them yeah. for three months, man. Yeah, it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. Our guy that's our web guy actually was in Jason's Gentlentis' class at Winthrop. Uh, we used him for like a senior studio project. They created a font for us. I mean, like the whole shebang for our other business, for um, BCMG, which is our construction management business. And we had such a good experience with him. We hired him as, as a senior to do our website. We got to work with him. And four years later, when we're starting this one, he's in Colorado. He did our Loom website and actually trained me on WordPress via Skype at my dining room table. And I mean, I will tell, contact Peter Rupp in Colorado. Peter Rupp, he was in the hive. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Fantastic. Yeah, he is fantastic. I'm sorry, I lost that somehow. Yeah, he was. He was great. He was. He's my web guy. So he's in Colorado. Colorado, and yeah. I figured he always had some. Image of him kayaking or yes. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, of course, he's in Colorado. Yeah, very cool. So, your background was in interior design, you said, right? Right. 
I think it's interesting because we constantly, it comes up on the show all the time, the idea of like space and how it affects your actions and, and your identity and stuff or whatever. I mean, like, can you speak to a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, about like? um, So I practice mostly corporate interiors. Um, some not so exciting banking, and but some really cool schools and psychiatric, some really interesting projects. But in the um, mid-90s, when real estate costs were going completely crazy in commercial real estate, um, I did a couple of projects with like Arthur Anderson and some other companies like that that first started instituting like the hoteling concept. Um, trying to, hoteling? So hoteling is like when you walk into an office space and 60% of the desks are empty, there's no reason to have all that real estate you pare it down and then you do like hotels do, right? You call in, say, hey, I'm gonna be in the office. They put you in an office and roll your little pedestal file in there and you use that. And that way they're having a a more kind of bang for their buck with the real estate that they do have because that's the biggest overhead cost for companies. So that concept in the late 90s was just kind of brewing. And so one of my first projects was that, and it kind of really started. That's like the grandfather of co-working. Yeah, it really is. It's just co-working within the same company, right? I thought that meant when you just show up for the continental breakfast and then leave. Yeah, right. That's what we call hoteling. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, just kind of that alternative workspace has always kind of fascinated me. And, um, and also I wrote a blog about that co-working is the student union of corporate America right so you know at Winthrop I had a 300 square foot office right two old dorm rooms it was awesome I was never in there because it was so isolating and you know I was over at Diggs so you know sitting there mooching off the wi-fi with my Starbucks and people walk you know I'd have my earbuds in but you know doing waving and and saying hey to people and having those kind of serendipitous interactions with maybe former students or professors that I would professors that actually were on my hall that I never saw unless I was sitting at digs and then we would pop into stuff and that's kind of the environment corporate corporations are understanding the changes that that are happening and, and trying to eliminate silos in so many ways and and there's nothing more impactful to eliminate silos than physical physical space. Yeah, and that's kind of what you were saying, Chris. Yeah, as far about the design or just the, the how much space has an impact on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I can tell, as someone who like I you know I do all kinds of different things, and one of the things I do is write. And as a writer, I this I also juggle. I also yeah. juggle. Yes, <laughs> I, I also I eat glass <laughs> at the circus. I dodge fast things. <laughs> First job, I was a circus and clowning skills instructor. It's legit. You were a yeah. clown instructor. That is not on my resume oh anymore. My Why not? <laughs> you should lead with that. I know. <laughs> Hold on, let me. We're starting Highly over. Random. We're starting over. I'd like to welcome Jen uh, Jennifer Belk here, the clown instructor. Uh, she also circus does co-working. Yes. <laughs> co-worker and clown instructor. It comes in handy a lot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your other coworkers are like, you know, she's great, but the whole mime thing, the whole, look, can we not get Jennifer out of that box? <laughs> she's been in there all day. <laughs> I, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> Great. Oh. I interrupted you there, Chris. Oh, that's all. I, I was, no, I was just saying, yeah, I, as a writer, yeah, it, it, 
it is everything. I know when it comes to writing, like where you are writing is absolutely everything. And every writer has their different place they need to go. And it, it really does mean everything. Your space means everything. Manipulate people. <laughs> Interior design is for you. Absolutely. I mean, you can really, I mean, you see Candid Camera and, you know, all of those shows where you change something about somebody's environment and see what happens. And that's totally it. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, uh, we tell ourselves that our eyes see, I see that I'm in a pizza parlor right now with the, with the beers and da 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 because I'm thinking about it, I'm conscious of it. Now that I'm conscious of it, I can see my nose. But the truth is, in five minutes, I'll forget that I can see my nose, and I'll, for, I'll actually kind of forget that I'm in a pizza parlor with beer. And your reality becomes, when you're not thinking about it, it's all right behind your consciousness. Yeah, and yeah. so to manipulate one's reality really is to manipulate one, period. Yeah, I would is. say, to cluck my beard and... <laughs> In your mustache. Put that pipe down, Chris. We could finish the rest of this. You know, I think the open collaborative space, we're seeing it in, uh, you know, co work, of course. We're seeing it in small creative agencies like ours. But we're seeing it, like I was saying a second ago, you know, we're seeing it in the, in the biggest of corporations. And I think what people are realizing is that the way kind of synapses fire in the brain, you know, if you had walls, everywhere in your brain, you can't have that random uh, firing, that learning moment, you know. But there's another side to that. I mean, there's the, there's the other side of that coin. I mean, we, we were in a completely open space, and we moved into a space where we have a couple of offices and a little more space between some people, and everybody's real appreciative about that. Now, now they're glass wall offices, uh, so, you know, it's not like they're tucked it's away. It's all about having choices and having choices that are appropriate to what you are doing at that moment. And so we've got a couple of members, um, Robert. Hey, Robert. Uh, he will get up and be in five different places throughout the day. And so it's like, okay, I'm in a conference call. I'm going to concentrate. Okay, now I'm going to walk around on a conference call out in the parking lot. Or I'm going to, you know, whatever ergonomically feels best or whatever makes his brain work More natural. Absolutely. Sitting in the same chair facing the same desk all day long can't be the best way to do and it. And I always tell people, you know, our, our permanent desk are, is actually systems furniture, so it's screwed to the wall. And then we've got some file cabinets that are entirely too heavy. Other than that, everything moves. So if you feel like you need an ottoman over there, you pick it up and take it over there. If you want to lay down on the floor, lay down on the floor. Now, Whatever of course, you know, like you were saying, there are, as, as mobile as uh, people might think, the creative types are, there's not much mobility in having three monitors and like a big, you know, uh, design system and whatnot. So, but even having, like you said, having some enclosed spaces and that in our new space, we'll have two small meeting rooms. Everybody said, I don't need anything more than maybe three, four people. They don't need the boardrooms of the past, right? So we get two small meeting rooms with two phone booths so that you can make a, a conference call, you know, all by yourself. Do you have to put a time um, in it, or is it? Uh, we have an online booking thing. So, like, if you're at a meeting across town and want to book a meeting for next week, you just go on there and read it. It's a phone booth? Yeah, there are No, not like a real phone booth. That would be awesome, though. Um, so, so we have that. And then we've got the kind of the two sides of the space. So, you know, the louder people tend to gravitate towards one or the other. So, yeah, it gives you, gives you options. So these meeting rooms, I imagine I could go in there by myself uh, if, if I want to schedule it or whatever. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Be in yeah. there if it's not in use, you jump in there until somebody does use it. Yeah, right. And But one of the things I always tell people is this is not a library. 
So if you've got to take a conference call, you do it just like you would in a regular office. Unless you maybe have to yell at somebody. Right. Yeah. Then you go in the conference room. Yeah. <laughs> some so, people, it's funny. Some people feel comfortable talking on the phone in a room full of people. and Some people do not. Some people need to go be by themselves to talk, to even be able to talk on the phone. You know? and, I, and like I said, I'm a pacer. So I can't talk on the phone sitting down. Yeah. I've put in countless thousands yeah. of miles on the telephone. Pedometers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Very cool. So, I need to make sure we say um, kind of the, the, how people can find you. Absolutely. You know, what's your your website? Okay. Well, a couple of things. One, um, just today we solidified a partnership with the Chamber of Commerce. So this is like a legit signed contract thing uh, where so legit that we so will not quit to quit. Yeah. yeah. You can't see my hand motions yeah. on that. Yeah. So, uh, He's got gangster on us. I, I did. <laughs> so, so, not only, you know, will we be members and attending their events and things like that, as we have been, but um, they are partnering with us. They're going to be having their Chamber of Commerce meetings at our, our space, our event space, um, several of their special events, networking events, things like that. And that really helps us to reach out into the community, let people know about us, that kind of thing. We're also doing like 10% discounts for chamber members, and they're doing 10% chamber memberships for William members, which is awesome. Credit to the chamber for, for yeah. wanting to do that. And they, they stepped up early. They were, what, what can we do to be, be partners? So, so that's one way that we're trying to get the word out. Um, all social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, do a lot of sharing, blogging, nice that kind of thing. Yeah. GeoCities. Yeah, that, you have a GeoCities? That's a little on the download. Okay. But, uh, and then, of course, our website, and, um, which is uh, loomcoworking.com. Phone number 548 Loom. I was so nice. stoked well, to be able to get that. Yeah, you got it. That's great. So, yeah. I have a question. So, the. Loom, I think, is an awesome name, and I assume it's tied to the sort of textile nature. Of it. That's awesome. Who, whose idea was that? Uh, so that was my idea. We, uh, yes, it's an homage to the textile industry here, um, but also I'm all about a good metaphor. So kind of the weaving of talents and people together and um, just all the, the beauty of it. Um, we've done mission trips down in um, Guatemala. And I always come back with like this luggage full of fabrics that's so inexpensive down there. And so we had this whole area that is pillows that we made out of it. It kind of looks like a hookah lounge. And uh, so we're really kind of playing off the whole textiles. Uh, the Baxter Mill Archive is going to show in our space in the fall. So we're excited about that. And, we are big uh, fans. You know, we did their, that website. We did, yes. yeah. yeah. We did so all their corporate website. The, where you pick the, the um, decade. Yeah, yeah the that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why like, doing that website and researching Springs, the you company. You work on that side. Then. Yeah, right. And that's, oh, awesome. And that, doing that is what gave me an appreciation and a fascination with the textile history of the South. Yeah. Like making that site and learning about them. So that's, I was like, that's why I thought that was such a cool name. I've developed a fascination with that stuff. I've lived here for 10 and a half years and I've learned more in the last six months of trying to find our space and going in the buildings and meeting the realtors that have been here for forever and that kind of thing than I did in the 10 years before. It's been well, really cool. That, um, we missed something when we um, put forward uh, kind of futuristic ideas that are disconnected to the past. Um, and I think the, the best things are innovation wrapped in history, you know, or influenced by, or whatever the word is. You know, those are the most inspirational, inspiring things. I saw somebody on, you know, I don't know if it was LinkedIn, Twitter, or whatever, I'm stealing this from somebody, but it was a quote, it said something like, 
New ideas need old spaces to thrive. And I just thought that was a beautiful, beautiful, whether, whether space equals a, a town community or a building, you know, or exposed brick in an old building, whatever it is. But I think you can't have, new, if you have new ideas in a vacuum, it looks plastic and disconnected and fake. Have you ever read the Medici effect? No. Oh my God. It's all about that, that there are really no new ideas out there. It's just the combination of things that maybe nobody would imagine come together and that's where they to the Medici family in yeah. Italy yeah. Really? and how they would put money into science and art and it was those things come together I, it would make your it would make your head explode. you know my next book is called the connected village it's a comparison to Rock Hill South Carolina right now to Florence Italy in the 1400s nice. it's the whole idea of that we are in a new renaissance right now there was a, a article recently about the whole renovate uh, restoration of like the apprenticeship programs oh, yes. and that kind of thing and, and how that's yeah oh we have a thing called the library at loom which is a lending library and it's all stuff like daniel pink and the medici effect and creativity books and you know everything all the books that we had like on the um common book program at winthrop and things like that that it's like a, a lending library there well, i credit you on the fact that most people would hear Traditionally, you'd hear all the things that you have, and you would think, oh, well, they must have 10,000 square feet at least. You know, Very efficient. Exactly. <laughs> that's the whole point. It's a lean concept. It's the idea that you don't need space to be dedicated to things when those things are sporadic or spaced out. Space is, a, is, a, is an agile you know, thing. We, we can use it and we can rearrange it all the time. The tiny house movement. Yeah, right. Yeah, the tiny house movement. Yeah. So Shout tell out us to Ryan that. and Kevin at Advent Coworking. There you go. <laughs> They're building a tiny, tiny house in um, Ion, which is kind of the, uh -huh. the Baxter of Charleston, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, it's hilarious that a lot of the uh, residents of Ion aren't necessarily in tune with the new urbanist movement. Just right, it's got right. really the feel of the place, you know. Big, expensive houses and all this. And, and there, a lot of them are looking at this from what I hear, looking at this little house thinking, what is going, <laughs> like, why is that being allowed to be built in our yeah. neighborhood, yeah. you know. But I think it's cool. And eventually they'll catch on, and then they'll all be like, I could build a tinier house than that. <laughs> Keeping down with the Joneses, right? Yeah. For kids that can't read good. Okay, well, is there anything that we would be remiss not to say while we have you here? Um, I, I don't know. I would just say, I think what you just said about just the multifunctionality of things. I want people to come and try it because a lot of people who either don't understand co-working or maybe have misconceptions about who it's for, like it's for tech guys between 20 and 35, really, really not. The length of your mustache is, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. lets you in the door. We're actually, we have more women than men, which is awesome. They, have they do not have mustaches. They're quite cute. Um, but that, that there's no real demographic to it. There's no real industry that it's specific for. It's more your life stage, where you typically work, how mobile you are, that kind of thing. And you know, there's advantages. First thing I have when people come in, I say, I sit down and I'm like, okay, tell me about you, your industry, your day to day, give me a day in the life. And that will direct what I tell you about how you're gonna use this space. I'm not gonna give you like the pitch until I know where you're coming from. And that helps me to tailor that. So very cool. Well, it's loomcoworking.com. It's very exciting for the county that you're open and, and operating. And you're building a building. I mean, how great is that? You know, just oozes growth and success. You're uh, very good at creating collaboration. So I would say, if anybody 
listening to this thinks that they have a good idea for collaborating or partnership, they should Absolutely. go to your website and contact Absolutely. you. We're having an art opening on uh, July 1st okay. for the three exhibits that we have up right now, which is Winthrop you know, Student oh, you Artist. You got an award. We did, from yeah. uh, York County uh, Council on the Arts, and that's for a show that we have coming in in August. It's K-12 through Art Teachers. So you hang art in the space. We do. We have three exhibits up right now, okay. local photography from Fort Mill, uh, an exhibit from Fort Mill High School, one of the senior, two of the seniors, and then one of their instructors. And then the Union of Student Artists from Winthrop. That's up right now. Another so. form of collaborating. Yeah, in the, yeah. Love just it. Uh, Chris, anything you want to say besides just being handsome? No, I'm just gonna glow in all my <laughs> handsomeness here. And hopefully the audio picks up. You can feel like a vi- you can hear a vibration. Can y'all hear yeah. that handsomeness? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 this was the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's not handsomeness. That's yeah. not handsomeness. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess we'll just close with um, you know a solemn word. I, I, I would I would I would not want to call it a prayer, but just some Zen Zen wisdom from Silent Micah. Well said, friend. Well said. All right. Well, we'll see you next week on uh, Old Town New World.